My name is Joe, I'm the Dungeon Master for this campaign, and this is Advantage. In the beginning, there was only one plane, that of physical creative materials blended together in the infinite, churning expanse of the elemental chaos. When entropy accidentally spawned structure, the first gods emerged, separating themselves into a new plane, the wispy, silver-hazed metaphysical realm of the Astral Sea. Like water and oil, the planes were separated by their essential differences, and between the two is positioned the cusp the natural world formed by the magical synthesis of structure and entropy, with the soaring realms of the astral sea above and the depths of the elemental chaos below, creating a perfectly circular plane at the cusp between the two, surrounded on all sides by the mysterious, thick, dark gray fog of the ether, an expanse of uninhabitable nothingness. From their far-off dominions in the Astral Sea, the gods shaped their worlds, generating realms that they believed to be good in their own eyes. When they were satisfied with what they had created, they expanded their powers to the cusp where they created mortal life, humanoids like elves, dwarves, and orcs, to the fantastic mythical beasts that crossed land, sea, and air. The Pantheon manipulated the world setting order and shaping life. And the cusp itself also grew sentient in these times, and from the magical, teeming energies sprang the primal spirits whose subtle influences are only felt by those who looked for them. Then, from beneath, the primordial titans of the chaos surged in power, bent on turning the natural world to bedlam rather than structure. The liminal realm served as a battleground between the gods and the primordials, and was nearly destroyed in what is now known as the Dawn War. As the natural world was wrought with pain, the primal spirits gave aid to the devastated lands and its creatures, protecting them from obliteration. The end of the Dawn War was in sight, and the gods had successfully defended the cusp from the primordials. As most returned to their own astral dominions, Kala, goddess of winter, sent the cusp into a deep freeze in an attempt to seize the realm for herself, and the spirits concluded that although the Pantheon had protected the world during the Dawn War, their divine presence would inevitably threaten the plane again.
As the gods battled the ice armies in the Astral Sea, the spirits combined, banishing the gods and the primordials, declaring the cusp as sovereign in order to be protected against further direct manipulation from either the plane above or the plane below. The natural world would be governed by cycles of life and death, of the seasons, of night and day, as a synthesis of chaos and structure, as is the nature of the cusp itself. The gods and the primordials can still influence the world, but none are brave enough to project their full power. Hey everyone, it's Joe. We are so excited to finally be producing this show for you. We've been writing this homebrew 5th edition game for over a year now, and I'm absolutely confident that we have an incredible story to share with you. Before we introduce the cast, I'd like to give credit where credit is due. So thanks to Daniel Grayling for doing our artwork. He's put hours into creating a magnificent logo, and he digitalized our maps for us. Without him, Advantage wouldn't have the look it does today. Our music has all been composed by Blake Bost, who created this score specifically for the podcast. It's been an absolute joy to work with him, and it really helps set the tone that we're looking for with the campaign. Uh, you can find a portfolio of his work at soundcloud.com slash blakebost. Justin Riley helped us with sound editing. He does work for the D&D podcast Adventure on the Talking Comics Network, and you can find him on Twitter at J-D-E Riley. That's J-D-E R-E-I-L-L-Y. This is a cast in my first time ever doing any audio production, so we'd be lost without a subtle guidance while we're just trying to get our feet on the ground. Thanks, Justin. Our website was done with the help of Labor of Love Graphics. I've had the pleasure of working with them on many different projects over the years. You can find their work at laboroflovegraphics.com. We've got a long list of role-playing podcasts that have helped influence us, so I'd like to give thanks to all the gamers and networks out there who have just helped pave the way for our show. We know that we have a story worth telling, and we appreciate your support and inspiration. Thank you. Our show is on social media. Our handles on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr is at AdvantageDnd. You can find us online at AdvantageDnd.com, and our email is AdvantageDnd at Gmail. We would love to get in contact with you and hear your thoughts. This next half is cast and character introduction, so now let's awkwardly segue into that. So how about we do it then? <laughs> okay, who's I'm, first? I'm absolutely giddy. Okay. All right, everybody, we are sitting here for the first time after a really arduous process of trying to get everybody on the air. Uh, I've got Zach and Yessi and Sarah and Steven and me, Joe, and we're just going to kind of give you an introduction of each of the players first. Um, so again, I'm Joe. I'm the dungeon master of the campaign. I've been gaming for uh, doing RPGs for three years now and I've only done like a handful of games. This is the second major campaign that I will have DM'd. Um, of my past games, my most memorable moment is a time that uh, I, I was running a game called Usurp Subversion with uh, three of the four here, Zach, Yessi, and Steven. And the party ran into an elf named Green Sleeves. Green Sleeves, there we go. 
and his, yes, and uh, his son, who were new to the Feywild, where the party was at that point. And the elf was just so proud of his his son's newfound connection to Melora, who's a uh, the goddess of nature. And I had other intentions with the NPCs, but the party just invited the two to join them on their adventure. And Greensleeves, the father, resisted, saying that it was way too unsafe, but Stephen's character, a, a, lion, a lion folk named uh, Windcaller, gave a solemn oath to him, saying that his son would befall no harm under his watch. But then... The next day, the party ended up blowing up a demon gate, which delivered this massive explosion, and there were casualties, just heaps of casualties uh, that just encompassed the entire region. Just everybody died from the explosion, and it nearly killed the party. Um, and then afterward, I rolled to see which critical NPCs lived and which ones survived, and the sun was killed, but Greensleeves was spared. And so in it, he was grief-stricken and enraged, and while he was attacking Windcaller, the party rogue, played by B Blake, who edits our uh, music, sneaks up behind Greensleeves and then slits his throat in an act of questionable mercy. And the entire scene was just dripping with drama and tension, and it was incredible. So that was that's my biggest gaming moment. Uh, who's next? Who's going Who's next? I feel like okay. I feel like I should get to go, because I feel like my character was just a little trashed there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd first like to point out that I legitimately, like, went to bed depressed. Like these are these are not real people. Like they are not, <laughs> they are entirely made up in our brains. And I definitely went to like I stared at the ceiling for a while and just felt bad, and then felt stupid for feeling bad because they weren't real. Um, I'm Steven. Uh, I live in Conway. I'm a teacher. Arkansas. Conway, Arkansas. Conway, Arkansas. I'm a teacher. I, I've i been gaming for probably close to as long as Joe has, but my gaming experiences have been kind of sporadic. And really, the the most serious campaign that I was involved in um, was the, the usurps version that I was in that Joe was the, the dungeon master for which is why I was very, very excited to get to come back for this one, because uh, I love having Joe as a DM. Um, my most memorable moment from that same campaign, actually, um, I was, as, as he said, I was playing a character named Windcaller, and I was a lion folk, which you don't know what that is. It's basically a humanoid creature with a lion head. Um, and there was this scene where we're on this, like, desert sled thing, um, in the, I think we're in the elemental <laughs> chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're fighting these dudes on it, and then we're gonna crash it into this giant pillar of light. I don't remember what it was called. It's called the pillar of creation. And so we just like everybody jumped off of it, but when I rolled to jump off of it, I got stuck to the freaking thing. So I crashed headlong into this, uh, and I remember I used a combination of an encounter power. Uh, and my ability to mark people to like super jump out of that thing and just like <laughs> I don't remember who I hit but the people I hit didn't make it when I was done and it was probably the most epic thing I've ever been a part of was that fight um, and so that that's probably definitely my most memorable moment from a campaign would have to would have to be that one agreed that was a good one <laughs> who's next I vote Zach 
<laughs> All right. Um, my name is Zach. Um, I also live in Conway, Arkansas. Um, I've been gaming for a little bit longer than Joe. Um, but I would say probably my most memorable moment, one of, uh, there's so many, you can't really count, but a memorable moment that sticks out, um, actually slightly more humorous. Um, I was playing a game of Warhammer um, Fantasy, it's a different RPG, um, with uh, some friends for like about two years. And one night we were um, helping defend this town, so we set up all of these um, like traps and stuff like on the outside of the town and all this barricades and stuff. And we were getting ready for this massive fight from this giant bandit horde that's supposed to come in. And um, the DM the whole time is like, ah, these aren't going to work. None of this stuff's going to matter. Um, and so as the, we, as the night approaches and the bandits start attacking, he rolls um, to see if any of them are going to fall into our very obvious traps. And over probably 70% of them just impale themselves on spikes trying to assault our, um, for like <laughs> trying to assault this town and winds up almost killing like even the big bad boss. <laughs> and he's like, not. He's just throwing his like papers all over the place and just all the stuff that he had planned just goes to ruin and it was awesome. It was so much fun because <laughs> we were just like, well, well, I guess that's the way the rules work. And he was, it was awesome. It was so much fun. Uh, Yessi or Sarah? Yessi. All right, Yessi. <laughs> uh, my name is Yessi, also from Conway, Arkansas. Um, I've been gaming since circa 2012, I want to say. Um, most memorable moment probably has to come from the user subversion campaign as well, just because that was a really good one. Um, along the same vein of Zach's, it was more of a like uh, player drama because I was playing a uh, changeling and the party didn't know it until um, a few sessions in. And the session that they found out um, I was trying to change into, I can't remember what it was, to try to lure some of our enemies away. I can't remember either. Um, I think it was a Ganassi. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember feeling panicked when I was th thought, oh my gosh, my party's gonna know I'm a, ha a changeling now, and wondering how they were gonna react. No one cared. <laughs> I just kept going with the campaign as if nothing had happened. They were like, oh, you're a changeling? Cool, let's go. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> so that was humorous for me as a player. Sarah, I think you are next, yeah? Yep, that's it. Um, <laughs> so I'm Sarah. Uh, I'm from Arkansas, but I moved to San Antonio this year to do AmeriCorps stuff. And uh, what else am I talking about, Joe? Oh, how long I've been gaming. Uh, yep. I started with uh, y'all just a year ago on Yessie's campaign. Yessie, did that campaign have a name? Plainer Heartbeat. Heartbeat. Plainer Heartbeat. Plainer Heartbeat. Yeah. Um, and most of the time I just had no idea what was going on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a common feature. <laughs> and... Um, I was a scion, but I had no idea how the mechanics worked. And I was basically the worst controller ever. But I really enjoyed that campaign uh, because Yessie's storytelling is absolutely incredible. And so, like, Agreed. even though I would have no idea what was going on, we'd go into, like, 
uh, like a dream sequence where everybody would hallucinate and yes you would be talking and like telling us these like terrible nightmares our characters would be having and I would be like legitimately scared um, was so cool. I'm dead serious uh, or like he would be describing uh, a, a place and I feel like I was actually there so I don't know I really enjoyed the whole campaign but generally had no idea what was going on and uh, <laughs> completely screwed up the mechanics of most of the uh, everything so this time around hopefully I'll be a little better Rad. <laughs> okay, so uh, now all four of these individuals are absolutely incredible role players and actors and just fun people to game with, which is why I uh, I, I keep coming back to playing with them. I, I love these four to death, and they're willing to at least humor me with this project. Uh, but they've all developed these incredible characters that... I'm going to have them introduced to you now. Uh, and I think we should continue that order just because it is an order. So I'm going to start with Steven. Um, <laughs> so give us kind of a, an introduction of like your name, your race and class, where you're from originally, what your current station in life is, um, where you are in terms of physical location, uh, your general motive, and like your dispositions and values as a person. So I'll let you have it. Um, my name is Alric Orman, and I am a gnome ranger. Um, I'm originally from the eastern slopes, and you'll have to help me, Joe, to make sure I say the names right, of the mountain of, is it, how are you saying that, Rorun? Rorun? Rorun, yeah. Rorun. Um, I'm from the eastern slopes of that. Um, near the Fortress of War. So the Fortress of War is at the top of the mountain that I am on the slopes of. Yep. Um, I uh, was part of a clan of gnomes called the Malnothri, um, which roughly translated means dirt family. Um, we, we lived there because we had found this very... Um, lucrative pipeweed called Shadbush that we sell to select traders, um, and it was just a good place to settle for a while. Um, our known people are fairly nomadic. Um, so I was from there, and I was part of this thing called the Sylvan Rank, which was a sort of kind of like ranger organization. Like we basically would kind of patrol the area a little bit, make sure it stayed safe. It was pretty low key, though. I mean, like we weren't. A warrior class by any stretch. We were just like the people who would make sure town was safe. So the uh, Kolgafir nation decided to attack the uh, Fortress of Peace. On, um, Which is on the other side of a strait between right. these two great mountains that one of one of which again Ulrich lives upon. Um, and so in, within that assault, also like my people were found. I think I think the Kolgafir were just kind of like generally pillaging and. and causing destruction. Uh, and so my people kind of all scattered. Um, I ended up finding my way uh, down the river Nogalar um, to a town called Tidesswallow. Um, there I, I, I talked to the guy in charge and he sent me to a town known as Celestia, a little farther south. Uh, where I was not believed. The Baron there didn't believe that the Kolgafir had attacked. 
So nobody cared, essentially. So then I left there to, and I went to Evandra's Cross and was again met with bureaucratic indifference. I um, just kept on working my way sort of south, southwest, um, down a trading path to a town called Havenmere. Um, from there, I left little farther went a uh, little farther down down the charmed river and finally found my way to Isatalos so I've been I've been living there um, in Isatalos for about eight months and I, I have come to be a warden scout um, which makes it uh, takes advantage of my like ranger skill set um, I basically patrol areas of the watched forest um, so technically I'm a military unit but it's a lot more watching um, and camping than anything else as far as my general dispositions and things like that, I'm a cheerful guy, um, very, very friendly. But as a result of that, or, or rather, I utilize my ability to know, navigate social situations to the point where though a lot of people are friendly with me and know me and would say that they know me fairly well, if you were to ask them specifics about my life, they would find suddenly that they really don't actually know any of those answers. So, like, I am well-known among the people that know me, but not actually... People don't know a lot about me personally. I tend to keep my personal information more secret. Um, my character is uh, gender-neutral. Um, with Within the society that I came from, it was generally accepted. Nobody really cared. Um, and so it wasn't really uh, addressed a lot there. Um... And I don't. What are what are your pronouns? Um, I've thought a great deal about this and 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 have struggled really to pick. Um, I I think I like the idea of the the made up pronouns or the or the the ones. And now I don't remember what they are. Because um, yeah, um, I like those. Generally, when people are talking to me, they're just using my name. Uh, sure. And so pronoun pronouns are things that like people use to talk about me when I'm not there. So I haven't, um, I, my character doesn't spend a lot of time worrying about that. Um, I, I, I have flamboyant tendencies, so like I can, I will occasionally, or not even occasionally, like frequently, um, exhibit more quote traditionally feminine qualities, uh, as well as masculine. So like, I'm just content to just be what I'm going to be and not care what anybody thinks. Um, and then as far as like, uh, my character, though I don't, I don't think I told you this, Joe, but my character also then uh, identifies as pansexual. I'm generally attracted to anybody, uh, so it sort of, it sort of kind of goes with it being being neutral and not identifying as any one specific thing. I then also find it comfortable to be attracted to most anybody. Um, really, I or, think that kind or, of or at least, to, I think that kind of speaks to your character on like a, a more personal level as well because that's kind of symbolic of Ulrich's willingness to just kind of go along with things and work from whatever is available not not that people are available that was poorly phrased but I, I think I know I think I know what you mean though and you're not yeah. you're not wrong like I'm gonna take life as it comes and not worry too hard about it kind of person Precisely. Uh, one, of the, one of the things with, with my character is like I take my job very seriously and I'm very attached to the city of Isatalos because it was so good to me and was able to like would listen to me and and help me out when I needed it, despite, you know, meeting indifference in other places. I don't know. Is that, is that you feel satisfied, Joe, or, or is there I, more I you'd like me to satisfied. say? 
I think that's awesome. Moving right along, uh, Zach, <laughs> what you got for us? <laughs> I'm playing Alaris Gildream, aka Ethan Thompson. Um, I'm a half-elf from the city um, of the Azure Keep. Um, it is a city in the Pan Dominion. Uh, my father was a elf from the Springwood, um, and he met and wed my mom in the Azure Keep. Um, whenever he went back home to the Springwood to like talk about how happy he was to be having a son, um, he was murdered by um, religious zealots that hate um, any half-breeds or hate anyone not wanting to be in the high elf, pure blood spirit. Um, so I was born to my single human mother um, and uh, grew up in the Azure Keep. She's a member of the, um, the Legacies of Sona Meta, which is a group of um, basically architecture um, people. They go around throughout the, pan, uh, the Pandominion and like do create buildings and do a lot of neat architecture type things. So I grew up in that world. Um, my dad was a mage and I always wanted to be a mage also. So my mom got me enrolled in the Weaver School um, of Magic. Alaris wanted to um, devote sort of to his mother and to his father by being a mage, but also working with like transformation, transmutation, like changing things, very like in the architectural world, that's where he gets that background. As far as personality, um, Alaris kind of keeps to himself um, because at the Weaver School, um, there are a lot of half-elves, obviously they just come from the Springwood since it's very close and get trained because it's a very prestigious academy. And they did not take very kindly to Alaris being a half-elf. So he's basically spent his whole life kind of being shunned by this group of people. Alaris um, wants to find connection to, to his elven side. Um, he, he just feels like he owes it to his dad to kind of become a like join an elven community so he found out a about a party that is going to trade um with the isotalos which is a elven community and he is excited to sign on as a translator he's gone in disguise um he's because he doesn't ex he doesn't know if they're going to accept him as an as a half elf so he's going full-on human he's grown a beard um He's trying to hide all of his elven features, and he's changed his name to, to Ethan Thompson. Basically where I'm at and a little bit about me. Yesy, are you next? Yes. I'll be playing a dwarf named Grimton Steadyhand, a fighter from Delve Deep and Hurt Earth, uh, which is the dwarven kingdom. And his early childhood was shaped primarily by his grandfather, Gorbring, who instilled in him a great sense of um, sort of responsibility and valuing life and showing him that fighting was not so much about uh, destroying but protecting. And um, after he passed, um, he didn't so much hate his parents. He loves his parents very much, but they weren't as much of an influence on him as his grandfather was. He uh, grew up in his clan, um, they're smiths, and they were well-loved in the city, but after the new king took over, King Greysunder, he saw a great change in his city and his kingdom, and having no immediate family of his own, he never married, he never had children, and his uh, only living brother 
is someone who he doesn't get along with very well. He decided that it was time to try to start anew or try to seek some change, and he decided to leave the kingdom of Herdearth, which was a hard decision for him. But he uh, set on his journey with a um, band of merchants, and they traveled, but they ended up in Temple and Pandominion. The reasons why Grimton decided to leave Herdearth, aside from uh, what he perceived King Grace under, like squeezing the um, market for his trade, was also the production of warforged in the kingdom and using them as a means of battle. And he saw that there was no honor in that, and he didn't like the um, distancing oneself from taking a life. He thought that there was, it was kind of a slippery slope, and he thought that it would only lead to more war. He hey, as as an aside before uh, before that, do you want to kind of tell the story of uh, as you were leaving and you witnessed uh, the interaction between the merchants and the warforged? Yeah. Um, so we were traveling through and we reached a, uh, a border, I believe. One of the, there was an older woman in our party who decided to hide a knife and I thought it was perceived nervousness because there were warforged at the checkpoint. And once the warforged got to her and they saw that she was hiding a blade, they struck her down immediately, like no questions asked. It was the warforged just following orders and there was no ounce of like nuance with what they were executing. So Grimton doesn't see the warforged as alive like some people might. He just sees them as machines who have developed um, an unwavering, I guess, decided to carry out their orders and don't. Um, they, he doesn't think that they have the capacity to like think for themselves. And so he decided to leave. Sarah. Okay. Introduce us. Um, my character's name is Marlinde Lyglass. She's a wood elf and she's a druid. Um, she grew up in the watched forest and around Issa Talos. How are we saying it? That's right. Okay. Um, she uh, prefers the watched forest, but uh, her family uh, has been herbalist for a really long time. She's pretty young for an elf. Uh, over the past uh, 10 years, she's been in training under the, um, what is Kareth called? Presiding the presiding druid. druid. Yeah, the presiding druid, Kareth, um, to become eventually the presiding druid. Um, so the presiding druid, training... and I'll, I'll give a little bit of background on this if you don't mind, Sarah. Yeah, go uh, for it. So the presiding druid is kind of the keeper of the each of the communities spiritual guides in the watched forest. Uh, so this Kareth is in charge of the spiritual being of, as far as primal spirits are concerned, the spiritual well-being of this community, which is what Sarah is being trained to become. Or sorry, Moreland is being trained to become. So <laughs> thanks. Sorry, continue. Yeah. Um, and by community, like you mean the entire watched forest, right? Not just East Tala. Kareth is a is a presiding druid over Isatalos and oh, and is communicating with others. Yeah, and it is is in communication with presumably other presiding druids throughout uh, the various 
states and nations of the watched forest. Okay, cool. Currently, um, Merlin Day is mostly hanging out in Isatalos, just shadowing uh, Kirith, seeing what they're up to. Um, there's a lot of political crap that uh, Kirith deals with on a daily basis, like um, Isatalos is run by a council, and uh, Kirith presides over that and is kind of the boss, but not really sometimes. Um, and so uh, right now... Um, Morlandi is really focused on just like keeping the Watch Forest safe and happy. Um, Morlandi really cares about the Watch Forest. It's home. It's where she's comfortable. Like the city is nice and all because it's home, but the forest is where there's so much life and there's so much peace. Um, there's so much green stuff, and so she just generally prefers that to the hustle and bustle of Isatalos. I think this will develop more as we start playing, but she really, uh, she's totally a rule follower, which um, makes things like learning to be, you know, eventually the presiding druid, the boss of an entire, uh, you know, spiritual realm, basically, uh, kind of scary, because there aren't really rules for that. Um, and she's, of course, passionate and very protective of the forest, um, and just has a really... Uh, she feels very strongly about protecting life in general, like all kinds of life, not just humanoid life, but animal life. She's like super vegetarian um, and really loud about it. So that'll be fun. You want to know anything else, Joe? I think that's it. Yeah, you did a you did a great job summarizing. So to wrap that all up, we've got Ulrich, the gnome fighter and refugee from Kolgafir, now leading a squadron of the Warden Scout in Isitalos. There's Elorus, the half-elf wizard from the Azure Keep, who, in an attempt to explore its elven heritage, is joining the, a group from the Pandominion, headed into the Watched Forest. Grimton, the dwarven fighter, who's left his home in here dearth in hopes of finding honor elsewhere in the world. And Morlinde, the elven druid, and then the young oak apprentice of Kareth, who's a presiding druid over Isitalos. So that's our first episode. I know that there are tons of sound quality issues and editing problems, but we're working on it, I promise. It'll only get better from here. My hope is to maintain a bi-weekly uploading schedule as long as we possibly can, so make sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher so you'll have an episode automatically downloaded to your feed when it comes out. 